Welcome to Boardroom Media. My name is Velvet Bell Templeman, and I'm here talking to Tony Windle, National Head of Indirect Tax, and Vince Tropiano, partner in the Sydney tax team. Tony has over 20 years' experience in specialist tax services, including GST, tax technology systems, and tax governance. Vince has over 30 years' experience with clients on domestic and international corporate tax issues, including tax risk management. The Prime Minister's JobMaker program puts the onus of recovery squarely on business, and one way to support business and investment, as well as pay down Australia's record deficit, is in tax reform. In the spirit of the new normal and doing things differently, today we're going to talk about how the tax system can be shaken up to achieve the results the government is after. Thanks so much for joining us, Tony and Vince. Pleasure. Happy to be here today. Thanks for that. So let's get stuck in. Tax reform. We've been talking about it for years. Vince, what's the difference this time? The word that seems to have been most commonly used over the last three months is unprecedented. So we're probably all sick of hearing it and looking forward to the day when we can just have normal conversations. But it comes into play with tax reform as much as every other aspect of our our life and working life at the moment. You're you're right, Velvet Bell, we've been talking about tax reform for decades and there's been numerous studies and reports and the like. And at the end of the day, there's probably been incremental change. There's been some major changes, but it's, you know, GST is coming up to 20 years old and prior to that, things like capital gains tax and the like. Um, were 15 years before that. So what's changed now is cost. It's been a very expensive business for the government to help keep the economy ticking over over the last three months. Uh, Under our current system, it it could take decades to get us back to where we were before all this hit. So it's important that we need to look at a whole bunch of different levers, a whole bunch of different areas to help fund business existence and business improvement and, and certainly tax reforms always an important part of that and it, it, it really is time that we need to take a serious look at what we can do to improve the tax system. Mm. I think it's an, a couple of important points there Vince actually and, and you mentioned GST as one of the sad individuals who likes doing GST and has been doing it for 20 years I've seen a changing landscape over that time and picking up on your comment there about this being unprecedented We've always had a reliance on inefficient taxes like state taxes and and what have you around transfer duty and payroll tax and those themselves create some high compliance costs. But I think now what we've got is, you know, with a large government expenditure with all of the stimulus programs, a shrinking revenue base as as companies are not going to have the taxes or the the profits that they were otherwise going to have and an increased debt to to fund all of this. I think the, the time certainly has come in respect to taking a real hard look at where Australia's tax and transfer system, and I think we might touch on that soon as well, but um, where, where that's going for the future, because I think we've certainly got a different state of affairs coming up, coming up in, in front of us there. No, I, think that's, I think that's right, Tony. And, and Bill, but Bill I, I saw a study not long ago, and there's something like 120-odd taxes and levies and registrations that a company needs to enter into to set up business and continue its business. And something like 90% of revenue comes from about six of them. So there's there's certainly scope for some serious reform and just making life easier. You know, simplicity is always the other word with tax reform. So there's a need for tax reform and, and always there's a need to make the whole system a lot simpler for business to continue. It's certainly going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Now, the Prime Minister has flagged that as most of the relief came from the Commonwealth, so the bulk of the tax reform would be led by the Commonwealth, what levers do they have to pull, Vince? 
Well, the main ones are always around income tax. There's a heavy reliance on income tax and corporate tax in Australia, uh, much greater than global average. I think um, reliance on income tax is about 40% of revenue. Corporate tax might be about 14 And I think globally, the income tax reliance is around 28 something like that. So they're going to be the obvious areas that need to be looked at. Corporate rates and individual rates are going to be the biggest area for some reform and for funding the last few months. But allied to that is the other side of the coin in terms of what tax levers can be pushed and pulled to support business as they seek to recover. So the government has a challenge there because it's got two sides of this. It needs to fund its own activities and it needs to set up a system that will help support uh, businesses to, to get back on track. But unfortunately, the, the, the biggest levers at the moment are income tax, corporate tax. GST is a big part of it, and then that rolls back into the states. And I guess we can, we'll talk about that. Uh, Tony can talk about that to some extent in terms of how we can improve on that. But that's where most of the heavy lifting will need to be done. You mentioned the states. They are talking about abolishing stamp duty, but where do they fit into this larger scenario? From a, um, an overall perspective, it's, it's really interesting to see the response both of the states and the Commonwealth to COVID and the stimulus. Certainly the government at the federal level has done a lot of the heavy lifting with the large job keeper, job seeker, job maker programs and, and in recent times other sort of more targeted initiatives around building industry, for example, which won't be the last. The flip side of that is that it would appear to some extent other than some sort of more small to medium enterprise business stimulus the states have actually got off relatively lightly in respect to putting their hand in their pocket. Having said that, though, if we're looking at how it is that the states can actually look for reform going forward, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that GST itself as a revenue is never actually held by the Commonwealth. It's always passed back to the states. So whilst everyone looks at the GST as being a federal tax, yes, it is. It's collected by the Commonwealth, but it's then funded back to the states to meet their own programs of work. The states need to be able to pay for what they do in respect of things such as health and education, which are at their level of, of administration. However, in order to do that there, if they are looking at you know, creating more efficiency for investment and coming out of this post-COVID world in a more economically you know, viable manner, certainly they're going to have to look at the, the likes of the stamp duty and payroll tax, which basically stop people from doing things. It's been long recognised that they are inefficient taxes, but if they're going to drop those down or abolish in some way, which has been some of the commentary um, coming out of New South Wales, for example, recently, they're going to need to fund their activities somewhere else. And I think that ultimately might end up being an enhanced or a, uh, an increased um, GST. Okay, so let's spitball. We know the goal for the government is to remain open and globally connected and to support businesses to reinstate or create new jobs. How would you rejig the system to do this? Well, there's a, there's a few different ways of looking at this and, and you can start to really think about some inventive ways. The, the first thing is that we need to provide incentives for businesses to set up here, encourage international investment and at the same time encourage local investment. We need to support businesses getting back on track as well as encouraging investment from overseas. So we've talked about, you know, there's R&D incentives which have been moved forward, you know, back and forward over, over the years and changes there, but that's an important part of it. Tax rates is, is always that old chestnut. I mean, our corporate tax rate is much higher than global average. We're still up, you know, up to 30%. UK is down to 18%. US is 21%. Singapore is 17%. 
as I said, global average is around 23%. So we need to we need to look at that, and that's a challenge because we're talking about needing to reduce corporate rates and at the same time trying to, to collect some funds to to pay for what's been happening. But we can't get away from the fact that at that level we're not competitive globally, and it's important that we continue to be competitive globally. So that's a that's a big part of it. Another area where certainly the ATR government spent a lot of time over the last few years is, is multinationals and how we tax multinationals for their activities here in Australia. That takes up a lot of the ATO's time and they've had some success in terms of collecting revenue from those areas, but maybe it's time to look outside a little bit differently. For example, the, uh, the French have introduced a, a, like a global turnover tax and it's aimed towards uh, tech companies, picking them up in terms of uh, turnover. So, uh, you know, this is the Googles and Apples and the like, but the turnover tax, I think, has some merit, and, and I suspect it's something which will happen across the globe as each company seeks to tax cross-border activity at that digital level, but there may be scope to, to bring that in at, at, at more of an operational level as well. So that's that's something which I think is something we should consider in more detail. So I know that Europe, the EU countries have been looking at this. I know that, for example, New Zealand have been looking at this. We've talked about it here in Australia, but, but really some way to provide a, a simpler platform for taxing cross-border activity at a digital level especially. And, and I know that they actually did some of the reform with GST and the like. I was just going to say there, Val, Val just to continue on what Vince is talking there, to the extent that what we're looking there is probably the natural evolution of an indirect tax system, Mark II. Globally, the existing value-added tax, VAT, or, or GST systems around the world, have been designed for traditional consumption patterns. And, you know, everyone's consuming things differently. We've, we've had evolutions to the Australian GST uh, in respect to the Netflix tax, which does tax digital content and a, a reduction in, in low-value threshold. But those are tinkering around the edges and... You know, essentially what we're looking at in respect of maybe a digital services tax or the like, and there's probably a couple of different models in that regard, what you're really looking at doing is actually taxing the things as they occur rather than waiting to tax the outcome of the things down the track. So what I'm saying there is you're actually looking at consumption, which we know will continue to grow, rather than actually taxing profits at the end, which is the, the result of those consumption. And from an overall effectiveness side of things, Taxes like a digital services potentially feed into the likes of the indirect taxes around uh, GST and VAT globally. And I think we're going to see a little bit of that, certainly here in Australia. And I know that there's a number of economies around the world really turning their minds to that. So, Tony, we've talked globally. How about locally? How do you support businesses here? Yeah, look, I've got a bit of a, a different take on the traditional debate about the GST. And traditionally, everyone's just looked at, OK, well, let's just increase the rate of GST were currently 10%, which as Vince said, is a very low comparison. You know, globally, the OECD is, is around 18% in terms of an average there. Traditionally, people have also spoken about increasing the base of GST. At the moment, we have GST-free concessions for health, education and food, which actually cost about $18 billion a year to the revenue. So what's to stop us actually looking at both at the same time in respect of the rate and the base? And then I guess I overlay it with the circumstances we find ourselves here where you know, state and Commonwealth have that natural push-pull tension. So one of the, uh, the ideas that Grant Thornton's been tossing around is actually increasing the rate of GST, call it 10% up to 15% or even 
being controversial and going all the way to an OECD average and calling it about 17.5%. We have an Australian rate of GST of about 17.5%. The existing 10% that, for example, may still be able to be pushed through to the states in order for them to actually maintain the provision of their services. But given we've got another 7.5% of GST to play with, question whether or not we could actually then look at that at a Commonwealth level for almost a hybrid model of GST, where GST is not only received by the states traditionally, but actually also kept by the Commonwealth to pay down some of the debt that we've got post-COVID, job keepers costing a lot of money, and also to actually push through stimulus in respect of infrastructure spend, economic development uh, and competitiveness, and at the same time looking at the transfer system to make sure people aren't, uh, aren't disadvantaged. So maybe a 17.5% GST could actually work. And maybe also, in, in that regard, actually extending the base of GST out into those items which are traditionally GST-free. Now, I'm not talking about putting GST straight onto things such as the food, the education, or health. But there's actually a bit of a halfway house that um, the tax system can adopt for GST, which is what we call input tax. And that, all that basically means is that there's still no GST on the actual price that you and I pay for those services. But it means the suppliers can't claim GST back for all of their costs associated with doing that. So that might mean, for example, that school fees go up by, you know, five or six percent, or you know, food goes up by about the same amount. But that sticky GST is then actually also recovered through that higher rate. So effectively what we've got there is a dialed up GST at a rate and a base side of things. We can then start talking about the other reforms that Vince was mentioning there in respect to what you actually use that money for. That's that's right, Tony. I mean, I think as you mentioned, the the other side of this equation is that the the system is to collect revenue and also then to use revenue in in its most important form. So it is a tax and transfer system. We do need to consider the more disadvantaged, the lower income earners, and all the rest. So that whatever increases in tax or GST, for example, which might come up and then lead to, at its most basic scenario, a loaf of bread going 25 cents more, which may not be that important for a number of people, but for those at lower income earners and those that may not be paying that much tax, it's important that we take that into account to ensure that the transfer system is appropriately tamed and deals with the increases of, of that ilk. And and certainly the model that Tony's suggesting is that the, the pot is increased, but it's it's used in a, in a slightly different way. The GST pot is used in a different way, that the increases would feed through to the federal government to, to pay for all the other incentives that are required, being things like uh, infrastructure investment that will uh, help business get back on its feet. For example, the instant asset write-off provisions, which are due to, uh, the larger ones due to expire 30 June keeping some of those kicking along, which will help business continue. But at the same time, ensuring that there's enough in the pot to support those that would be most disadvantaged by something like a, a material increase in GST. So we, we need to ensure that we're covering both sides of it, and I, I think there is scope to do that. Okay, so Tony, what do you think in light of the Finance Minister's comments that the GST is off the table in terms of tax reform? At this point in time, traditional views do need to be re-examined in the current environment and any analysis undertaken pre-COVID surely must be considered again. Given the unprecedented environment we're in, I think all major taxes need to be on the table and GST is a major tax. I think the government's missing a trick by not dealing with this without GST in there. And it's almost like, and I used this analogy the other day, it's almost like a golfer going out on the golf course with a full set of clubs and then deciding not to use the driver but instead tees off with a putter. 
certainly sounds like a lot of support for businesses, but it doesn't sound like it's helping to pay down this massive deficit. What's the trade-off? Well, you know, we're arguing the case for income tax reductions. I started off by talking about that, and that's certainly something we need to be internationally competitive. And there has been movement in that area, both at a corporate level and at an individual level. So I guess there's a risk that some of those plan reductions may need to be deferred. That's not ideal, but there, there may be an issue that it needs to be deferred for a period of time. And previously, we've also talked about, well, considered the, um, the need for things like a special levy. We've had those in the past for various events, and there may need to be uh, a short-term levy for a period of time to help support the costs of getting through the last three months and also probably the next six to 12 months. We're expecting that there will be a downturn as businesses start to get going again. It's not going to be, you know, everyone goes back to work on the 1st of July and everything will be what it was at Christmas. So, you know, we're expecting a slow time of it. Treasurer has come out and talked about us being in a recession. So, you know, there's, there's some long-term activity required here and it may result in some increased taxes and levies in the short term. So what do you think we will see from the government between now and October? Some of the usual tinking around the edges or will we throw the baby out with the bathwater and start again? Tony? Look, I, I think, Robert Bell, I think we're going to see the usual sort of wish list and self-interested lists of, of, of demands and requests from a number of the different industries. That those, those that talk loud get looked after potentially. I certainly hope that's not the case um, in respect to the squeaky wheel being oiled. But I can certainly see from a targeted sector side of things uh, that, that wish list and, you know, those peak industry bodies and unions saying what they want to see, there'll be a lot of lobbying and politicking put out there by those organisations. I think what's important, though, and, and the International Monetary Fund, uh, the IMF, that actually came out and said, Look, there is a tendency for companies and economies to really move too quickly in respect of tax reform. It needs to be considered. So knee-jerk reactions, you know, the likes of what we've seen in Saudi Arabia increasing their GST by threefold from 5 to 15% just because there's no oil revenues anymore. Those sort of activities, whilst not relevant necessarily or immediately replicable here in Australia, we certainly want to make sure that we stop, think and consider what the long-term piece is. Again, we've got a burning platform at the moment. We haven't had meaningful tax reform for 20 years. We've had a whole lot of talking about it with no real action. So certainly I think from a, a wider political will, the time for change is now. I think the Australian population is expecting it. And I think the Australian taxpayer can sit there and actually think positively about a future where you know, the actual you know, response to COVID is one which is actually going to set Australia up for success. Tony and Vince, thank you for your time. Thank you very much, Wilberville. You can find further information on how COVID-19 might affect your business and assistance is available to you on the Grant Thornton COVID-19 hub at www.grantthornton.com.au forward slash COVID-19. My name is Velvet Bell Templeman and you're listening to Boardroom Media.